I want you to take your Bible. You already know where to go, Philippians 4. We've been there the last two weeks. We've been just walking through together this series that God has given us about how to find the missing piece. We've been walking through this passage of Scripture in Philippians 4. I want you to look at it again today for the last time, and I'm going to give you what God has put on my heart. This helped me at 9 o'clock. I forgot there were other people in the room at nine o'clock and I just, I helped myself. I preached to myself. I helped myself. I think the byproduct was other people getting help. So now that I've helped myself, I've got a little bit of clarity about maybe how to better help you. That's what I want to do. I just want y'all to know I love y'all. I've been thinking about y'all all week. Been calling your names out before God. If I don't know your name, I've been just saying face. That face, Lord, whatever that is, whoever that is, face. Help them. Philippians 4, look at the Bible. Verse number four, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here it is. This is what we've been getting at for the last two weeks. This is where Paul's trying to take us in thought. Here it is. And the byproduct of doing these things, he says, the peace of God. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, shall protect, it'll guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It bears repeating. We've said it before in both of the previous sermons. Paul is sitting in a Philippian jail. He's in solitary confinement as he pens one of his final letters. And he's telling us right here, so fitting. Here he is in a predicament and a place where we would be losing our mind. And he's telling us, this is how you find peace in a peaceless situation. He tells us that peace, it comes from God. It's not a horizontal thing. It's a vertical thing. It only comes from God. And the peace of God, it should never be dictated, nor should it ever be determined by any of the circumstances you have in your life. And in this series, we've been talking about how to find that peace. Week one, we talked about how to rejoice with praise just like God tells you to. Last week, we talked about rejoicing or rather relating with people like God tells you to. How can I have peace on the inside if I'm always at war with everybody on the outside? And so this week, he's going to tell us one last step in the direction of that missing, elusive peace. Look at verse six. Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Let's read it one more time. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Really? Really, Paul? Prayer? That's your answer? That's the last thing you want to tell us? Pray about it. Just tell God about it. Why, why is that always the answer, ladies and gentlemen? Why is it in a situation like he's in, circumstances like many of us find ourselves in right now as we sit in this room, 
people are going to tell us, you should just pray about it. You ever had somebody tell you that and it was the wrong time to hear that? You've laid out every detail of your situation. And they're like, you know what you should do? You should just pray about it. And you're like, that's not what I, I need you to be stressed with me right now. I need you to want to pull hair out too over this situation. And you're telling me, let's pray about it. Now, now based on God's word and based on what other people will tell you, prayer works. Right? Isn't that what we believe? Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what we preach? Think That's what we, we sing, that, that prayer actually works? Here's my question. If prayer works, why is it always the last option we choose? If it works, why don't we do it? Why is it that we don't really pray and talk to God about things like he tells us to? Let's be honest. Prayer is not natural. It's not normal. It's not natural. It's a supernatural thing. In fact, a lost man can't pray. You can't. Your first prayer is God save me. That's your first prayer. So you don't have the ability and the capacity spiritually to know how to commune with God until you become a saved spirit being. So I have to understand that prayer is something that doesn't just come naturally to me. Secondly, prayer is not easy. It's not easy. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You've tried to focus, you've tried to think, and you're praying, maybe you're doing it out loud, maybe you're doing it in your head, and you get about 30 seconds into the prayer and then you're wondering if Taco Bell is still open. <laughs> y'all know I'm telling the truth. Yeah. You're sitting there praying, and all of a sudden in the middle of praying, Father, and I just wanna, did I, did I ever take care of that thing? Did I do that thing? Well, you get your phone laying there in front of you in the middle of praying, and all of a sudden your phone dings, and you've done completely rerouted your attention, and here you are texting somebody back. Y'all know I'm telling it right. We go, into, we go into the chambers to pray before God. We ain't in there 60 seconds. Squirrel. <laughs> it's not easy. It all, it, let me tell you another reason we don't pray. Because we feel like it's not doing anything. We're talking to something, somebody we can't see, somebody we can't touch and feel. And let's be honest, we feel like when we pray, it doesn't make it 12 feet past the ceiling. It just hits the roof. And that's about the extent of our faith and our relationship with God. It stops at the ceiling. And you're watching everybody else. Seems like they're always breaking through. Seems like they already got it. They got a hold of something that you don't have, that you don't understand, that you don't really know. And you're watching other people walk in that for themselves. And you're going, is that really the answer to pray about it? So, so what do we do instead of pray? We worry. We worry about things. We do. Worry is a thing we do. And look, here's the deal. Worry is very misleading. It's so misleading because worry makes you feel like you're doing something about the thing when really your worry does absolutely nothing about the thing. Worry doesn't make it better. Worry doesn't make you better. Worry, by the way, worry is your way of telling God, I'm good, I got this. Worry is your way of saying, I don't need to consult you. We don't need to have a conversation. I will figure this out on my own. I got myself this far. Uh, really? Really? I can take care of myself. Really? Worry is really just proof that you don't have strength to carry the weight of the issue. Worry, really, worry reveals the stress that you're actually under. And stress is an indicator that you don't have the proper structure or spiritual framework to support the thing that's on top of you. 
I was at the gym and I watched the dude load up a bar. I watched him tire himself with several sets of pushing heavy weight. And I'm talking about a pretty big joker. I'm over in the corner doing whatever the heck I'm doing and I'm watching this guy and he's already gassed, he's already tired and then he takes another 45 pound plate and sticks him on both sides of the bar and proceeds to lay down and get ready to bench press this weight. I'm sitting on the other side. I see him already panting, breathing heavily. I watched him barely get five reps of the last set and then he adds 90 pounds to it. And so I'm in the corner going, this is going to be interesting. Should I help? Or should I watch? It's been an interesting week. I'll watch. <laughs> I watch this beefcake of a man. He lifts this weight off. And when he lifts it off, he's going. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching him and I'm going, this, there's no way this is going to happen. Absolutely not. Like I can put two and two together. This guy's about to crush his windpipe. And there's another guy standing over off to the side. And he goes, you, you got it, buddy? He's like. Nope, <laughs> and re-racks the weight. And, I, and, I, and as I watched that happen, it was like the Holy Ghost nudged me and said, why can't you learn to do that with life? Why can't you recognize when something is too much for you? Why can't you let stress be an indicator that you don't have what it takes to hold this thing? I saw a lot of people walk in with that plastic camouflage Christian smile on Sunday morning coming up in this place. But the reality is a lot of y'all How, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I got it. Are, 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 are you sure? You sure you got it? You don't look good. I, I, I'm good. I'm all right. And we worry. It's our way of going. I got it, God. I'm good. I'll figure this out. I'll handle this. I'll control this. This is why Paul tackles worry. This is why when talking about peace, he tackles worry and he says, be careful for nothing. That word careful means to be frantically concerned. It's Banks County terminology of I'm worried about it. I'm worried. Paul says, don't worry about it. In fact, he says, there's nothing worth worrying about. There's nothing worth worrying over. Ladies and gentlemen, worry was never a part of the plan. It's never been a part of God's plan. There's never been a season or a situation in your life where God's like, now I want you to worry about this situation. Because if worrying is your way of telling God, you got it and you don't need him, my Bible tells me there's never been a season or a situation in my life that God wasn't prepared to help me walk, help me struggle, help me work, help me carry. So for me to say, oh, no, I'm supposed to handle this this way. This is how it is. Who told you this is how it is? Well, everybody else deals with it like this. Who said everybody else is right? This ain't about you and everybody else. This is about you and God. And God never prescribed or diagnosed you to live a life of worry over things that he was qualified to take care of. I need a witness. By the way, Jesus wasn't a fan of worry either. He says, when you think about worrying, consider the birds. Next time you think about worrying about your life and the, and the details of your situation and the needs that you have, he said, think about the birds. 
My Father in heaven cares for the fowl of the air. How much more can he care for you and your needs? Worry is never something God will prescribe you. There's 18,000 species of birds. There's 400 billion birds in this world. And if my Father is faithful to provide them with every worm, every bug, and every beetle, faithful to provide them with all the straw and all the mud and everything they need for their nest, if he's faithful to make sure they can provide and take care of their family, if God has his eye on the sparrow. How much more is my father able to take care of his sons and his daughters? My bills ain't an issue. My health ain't an issue. My past ain't an issue. My today ain't an issue. My tomorrow ain't an issue. Do I got anybody that believes if he can take care of the fowl, he can take care of his family. Think about it. God said, I never gave you clearance to worry about something. Here's what we do. Let's be honest. Let's, for a second, let's send the evangelist out the door and let's have a conversation. We let worry roost and root in the very place that God reserved for peace. Do you hear what I said? We let it roost and we let it root in the very place that God had assigned seating for a thing called peace. And today, we need to declare, and we need to confront this thing called worry, and we need to remind worry, and we need to remind ourselves that this seat is reserved for nothing but the peace of God. Somebody help me give him some praise this morning. I'm halfway done. So what does Paul encourage us to do? He tells us to make a prayer request, to request with prayer just like God tells us to. He told us in week one, rejoice with praise. Last week, he told us to relate with people. This week, he's telling us to request with prayer just like God tells us to. I want to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, today at New Grace, let's just tell God about it. Let's just tell God about the thing that we carried into this room. Here's what we want to do. A lot of times, we want to work through our worry. What does that look like? We want to talk to somebody about it. I want to tell you about it. I just need somebody to listen to me. How many of y'all know that always doesn't work? You ever, you, ever, you ever sat down with your significant other? I think this is going to be weighed heavily to one side of the gender category here. And you proceeded to tell your spouse or your fiance or your significant other what you were dealing with and you could tell that they didn't seem as concerned as you were about it. And you say everything that you came to say and you say, you don't look like you're worried about this. And he says, oh, I'm worried about it. <laughs> Terrified. I need to know that you're concerned too. What are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, I'm concerned. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it too. Sometimes we talk through it with somebody but they don't understand what we're going through. Sometimes we talk through it with somebody and they're not listening. Sometimes we talk through it and they don't care. Here's one thing I've learned. There's never been anybody, anybody 
that I've talked to that could really help me with what I really needed. You could listen, and that helped me in the moment. But you really can't give me what I need. I just need somebody to talk to about this, Pastor Derek. I feel like I'm dealing with it by myself. Well, <laughs> Paul knew what it was like to be lonely. Remind you, he wrote this while he was sitting in solitary confinement. So he knew what it was like to work things through while he was by himself. And he tells us, watch this, he tells us that instead of worrying about it, he talked through things with God. What's that look like? He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul is telling you and he's telling me to pray about what we usually worry about. I'm about to help somebody up in this room. He is telling you to pray about what you instinctively worry about. Why? Prayer is how you deal with everything. Everything. Isn't that what he says? In everything with prayer and supplication. What is supplication? It's a fancier name for prayer. With everything. Everybody say everything. Everybody say everything. One more time, everybody say everything. Everything. Everything means every, every, every one, every time, every place, every situation, every struggle, every secret, every thing. It means nothing's off the list and nothing's off limits. I wish y'all believed this like I was preaching it. Nothing is off the list and nothing is off limits. Well, I don't want to hear myself say it. God needs you to hear yourself say it. You need to hear yourself say it. Does anybody believe with some conviction what I'm preaching right now? Everything, everything. Here's what's funny. We usually worry about everything and pray about nothing. But God tells us to pray about everything and worry about nothing. Meaning there is nothing that I can't take to God. Everything reminds me there is nothing that I can't take to God. So I want to call a timeout real quick and I want to serve notice on the devil and I want to tell you in this room, I don't care what you brought into this room. I don't care what you carried in your mind. I don't care what has rooted in your heart. Pastor, you don't care. You don't write. I don't care. Let me tell you why I don't care. Because there's nothing that's happened in your life this week, 10 years ago, or in your childhood that you cannot bring before God today. There is nothing about you. There is nothing around you. There is nothing in you. There is nothing on you that God can't handle. There ain't no stain too deep. There ain't no secret too dirty. There is nothing about your life. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Let me tell you something. Anything bothering any one of my kids, it matters to me. It concerns me. So if it touches my kids, it touches me. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the master. And if it bothers you, it bothers God. I wish I had a witness. Somebody that believed. It matters to me and it matters my God, it matters to God. I, you know what I like? I like how Paul just slyly drops this in there in everything. 
Yeah, even the thing you're thinking God don't want to hear about. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. We don't need to wait for turkey and dressing. We don't need no pilgrim pride up in the room to have an attitude of gratitude. How cool would it be if we could break the chains of ungratefulness in this room and start coming to God with an appreciation that we're able to actually walk to him, talk to him, come into his presence and commune with him. We are a very unthankful generation. I read a story about a lady at the deli in the grocery store the other day that she asked them to cut her a quarter pound of ham and they cut it to 0.27 instead of 0.25 and the guy standing behind her in line said she lost her religion on the lady behind the counter over 0.02 of ham. We, we use Facebook to vent, vomit, rant, and rave. We need everything right now. Everything's instantaneous. We have no patience for nothing. We have $5 lattes and $4 cappuccinos and espresso, everything. Am I talking to anybody? We are, we are so, let me tell you something. If you drove over here in a car, you're blessed. If you came in here with clothes and you ain't naked, thank God you're blessed. If your kids are in a public or private school getting an education, you're blessed. If you got a roof over your head tonight, you're blessed. If there's breath in your lungs and blood pumping through your veins, you're blessed. If your sin has been erased and your name is written in heaven, you're blessed. If God is your commander in chief, the captain of your life, you're blessed. If you're going to heaven and you can't go to hell, you're blessed. Enough with the ungratefulness. Enough with the attitude. Where is the gratitude? My God, we worry about everything. We pray about nothing. How you doing? Fine. Worship is a great way to run worry right out of the room. In everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. That word let means the allowance of. Allow, allow your request to be made known unto God. We're not honest with people, ourselves, or God. We're not honest. We're not honest people. I take pride in being honest. Well, you're not. You're a liar. Because when we ask you if you're okay, you say you're okay. But you're not okay. I understand you don't want to share it with me, but I can't give you a solution or a remedy to your deep-rooted issues. But there's a God in this room who's asking you to trust him with your trouble and trust him with your heartache, and trust him with your ugly. And, and, and what do we do? Get a room full of men together. Ask a room full of women. They are inclined to emotionally and spiritually respond to the presence of God faster than a man. I don't know why that is. It's a generational thing if you ask me. It's a cursed thing if you ask me. I think men have missed the boat on being biblical leaders and responding to the presence of God. I think it goes all the way back to the times of Jesus. They're sitting around a room and it takes a woman breaking out an alabaster box of ointment and getting down at his feet and filling the room with the glory of God while the men sit there and judge her and wonder, what's, what's she getting all worked up about? Why, why is she acting like that? 
That money could have been used on the poor. And Jesus said, you better shut your mouth. The poor you have with you always. Me, you won't always have. So leave her alone. She's filling this house with my glory and my praise and my essence. Get a room full. That was a commercial. That was free, by the way. But you get a room full of men together, ask them. Anybody got any prayer requests? They're going to look at each other. Half of them dealing with suicidal thoughts. Stuff ran through and perched up in their head this week that would make a demon blush. And they're sitting there going, I'm good. Cavemen rolling rocks over the entrance of freedom and suppressing and internalizing everything in their life that they should and could give to God. Paul says, let. Let your request. It'd be at the top of your list. Let it be made known unto God. Which tells me this. I'm not coming to complain. I'm coming to confide. Anybody can come complain to God. I'm not coming to complain with an agenda. This is not a, I'm gonna rub the lamp and I need three wishes, God, now. No, this is, I'm coming to confide. Confide means to put your trust in. Church, let's be honest. You will talk to somebody you trust. If I don't tell you, it's probably because I don't trust you. But if I trust you, I may disclose some private information that I wouldn't have shared with anybody else if I trust you. And God is saying, tell me about it. Because if you trust me with it, you will tell me about it. Do you trust me with it? Is God trustworthy? I'm going to ask you that question again. Is God trustworthy? Is God worthy of your trust? Well, you say he is, but yet you don't talk about it with him. You'll figure it out. Hey, how's that working for you? If I, if I trust you, I'll tell you. God, if I trust you, I'll tell you. Is he not worthy of my trust? Let me get this straight. You believe? You believe that he spoke the worlds into existence. You believe that molecules did not come from the absence of matter. And that it was not a big bang theory and bang, it just happened. You believe that God made everything out of absolutely nothing. And you believe that he is the creator of the universe and you believe that he is the God of the Jews and of the Gentiles and that he sent his son to die for our ransom, for our sin, for our sin debt and our sin account. And that by putting your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you are saved from the wrath to come and the wrath that will follow. And that God preserves you eternally, that his spirit resides in you, that your body is the house, the tabernacle, the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy presence of God. You believe all of those things eternally you trust God but temporarily I trust God with the vast scope of my eternity but I can't trust him for three months of a season 
I can't trust him with financial figures, dollars, and decimals. I can't trust him with the touchable, tangible things that bother me, keep me up late at night, the relationships that I can't manage and manipulate, the people that I can't control, that I can't shut up and that I can't get to talk. I can't trust God with stuff, yet I'll trust him for my salvation. Is he not trustworthy? I'll ask you that question again. Is he not worthy of your trust? Has he not already proved his faithfulness to you? He never owed you anything, yet he saved your soul from hell. He never owed you anything, yet he washed you off, cleaned you up, sanctified you, and justified you. He's never needed to do anything to prove himself, yet he's opened doors that you couldn't open. He shut doors that nobody else could shut. He's knocked down walls. He split red seas. He made ways in the wilderness. He broke asunder the bars of iron, and he made the crooked places straight. He poured out floods upon dry grounds and he made the clouds give rain and you can't trust God. There's a manna all around. There's water from rocks. Surely, surely, surely I can trust God. Surely I can tell God about this. We think we think we'll have peace when we're finally able to control our life. <laughs> we look like octopuses spinning plates. <laughs> Last time I checked, you had two arms and not eight. We're trying to manipulate, manage, control all these things, thinking if I can finally just get control of my family, of our money, if I can get control of my future, if I can get control of school, I can get control of my personality, if I can get control of situation, if I can control it, I'll be at peace. And God wanted me to tell you, you only get at peace when you're finally okay with not being in control. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And you think that's what's gonna give you peace. And you realize when you got it, you're choosing to keep it from God. And peace is when you finally get to the point where you're like, I think I'll just lose control. I think the only way to get peace is if I can lose control. I'm having to live this at a whole nother level right now. Just losing control stuff. I like to, that's why I don't go to Six Flags. I ain't in control. I can't, I can't turn the wheel, I can't hit the brakes. And God just made a reel for your pastor here recently. Because my oldest daughter just got a learner's license. Used to, I sat on this side and talked to her while I was driving. Now, I'm sitting on this side, talking to her while she's driving. There's a barrier between my feet and the brake, my feet and the gas. She's sitting in the seat that I used to sit in. She's holding the wheel that I used to steer. And she's in charge of when we go and when we stop. And I helplessly sit over in the passenger seat and consult the driver <laughs> on where to go with nobody to console me while we go. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? 
I find myself tempted every now and then, Chad, to reach over and grab the wheel. Ha, ha, oh, hey. Pothole, baby. Pothole. She's always asking me, where do I go? What's the speed limit? Do we turn left here? Do I turn right? How do we get to the house? Is that our neighborhood? What? Have you not been paying attention? <laughs> you live there. And I find myself constantly telling her where to go, what to do. She's learning to drive. I get it. It's only been a week. I was sitting there the other day and she did something and, and I said, turn left. And she continued to just go straight. <laughs> no, it was right. It was right. I said, turn right. And she went straight. She goes, was I supposed to turn back there? I said, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. There's another way. We'll, we'll figure out how to get there. And I was sitting there and I got that, that you, you know that <clears throat> in the side. He said, you know, you do the same thing with me. Yes. You're always telling me where to go. Always telling me when it's too slow. Telling me when it's too fast. God's like, you're always doing that to me. Like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't trust me when you put me in control. Because you're always reaching over. We need to turn right there. I'm God. How do you know where we need to turn? And how do you know I don't have a better way to get there? And last time I checked and you sat here, you had to call me to pull you out of the ditch. Funny, I believe God flung the stars and they landed in all their sockets perfectly and he told and timed them when to twinkle and shine. He put all the planets on their axis and has he spinning in the perfect orbit and there is no fragment of asteroid or meteor line belt. There is no place in space that God is not in complete control. God controls the whole world, yet I think he can't handle mine. So what do I do? Well, I do the same thing you do. I just choose to carry it on my own. I'll just handle it yep. by myself. Come here, Landon. Just a fruit. Pick that up, buddy. Oh, is it heavy for you? All right, have a seat, have a seat. I choose to just get strapped with the weight of the things I worry about. I'll bring it to church. I'll take it home. I'll bring it to the supper table. I'll bring it in all my relationships. I take it to work. I take it everywhere I go. I just wear my worry because I'm good. I got it. But after a while, this thing that I thought I could tote begins to get a little heavier. And I have to come to a point, do I want to trust God 
and talk about this? Or do I want to worry about it? I have a two-lane road here. It's a fork. Do I worry or do I pray? Was I meant to carry these things? JJ, I want you to come help me close. When you pray this week, in a second, I'm going to give you a chance to put this into practice right here because everybody brought in this, something you're worried about. For some of you, it's, it, it, it's something that can come back and bite you. It's something crawled out under a rug. For some of you, it's a situation you can't govern and you can't manipulate it. For some of you, it's a marriage. For some of you, it's I'm tired of being single. I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to move on. A lot of us in here carried something that we're worried about. Prayer was meant to be a conversation. A conversation where we come to the table with the only one who's qualified to carry the things we can't handle. Prayer is where you lose control. It's where you get to a place of honesty with God. Where you say, all right, Lord. I'm not going to run away from the table this time and carry this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of doing this by myself. I'm tired of trying this by myself. It's not working. Worry doesn't work. So I'm going to do what the pastor said. I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to do what you said. And I'm going to pray. I'm making my request right now. And I'm losing control. I'm giving this up. I'm handing it off. I'm letting it go. And I'm letting God. That's what I'm doing. So I'm going to give you my family. I'm going to take my family and I'm going to talk to you about this. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to tell you everything I'm worried about. I'm going to call my babies by name. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lose control. I, I can't, God, I, I've done everything I can to protect them and I can't protect them any longer. I can't, I can't preserve them any longer. They're, they're, they're my kids, but they're also your kids and I'm, I'm, I'm having to trust you. And my ear needs to hear my mouth say that. I'm trusting you with my babies. I'm trusting you with my girls. They just moved and they're in this new school now and they don't know anybody. And I, I want to just be there like a fly on the wall. I want to beat up bullies. I want to tell teachers how to teach. I want my boys to be on fire for God. I want my girls to have a tender spirit that loves God. I want you to protect my marriage. I want you to develop my marriage. I want you to use me and Ashley but I'm out of control. I'm giving it to God. I'm laying it down. I'm you can have it. Take my kids. Take my marriage. I can't, I can't do it. I'm, I'm losing control. I'm losing control. I'm taking my money, my finances, 100%, all of it. All the plans I have for it, all the hopes I have for it, all the struggles I've had, all the things right now I'm worried about. Lord, if I got robbed right now, they couldn't make it up the road very far. I ain't got a whole lot. I'm trusting you with it. I'm losing control. I'm taking every door of opportunity. I feel like I got the keys. I've been praying for doors to open. I've been waiting for doors to open. I want to see this happen. I'll tell you about this key in detail. I'll tell you about this key. I believe there's a door out there that this key unlocks. And the reality is when you open a door, it's because you gave me the key a long time ago, but I got to find the right door. I'm going to trust you with them.
I'm trusting you. I'm, lo I'm losing control. This phone represents all of the contacts in my life. All the people. All the relationships that I can't control. I turn it over to God. I take all my plans. My will is right here. My future is right here. All the things I want, all the things I desire, all the dreams I have, it's right here. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry whether or not I can pay for it. I'm not going to worry whether or not I can connect the dots. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm losing control. We'll give God our family. We'll give God our money. We'll give God opportunity. We'll give God people. We'll give God plans. And then we're tempted to get up. To get up from the table. And God reminds us there's usually something else. There's usually something else that was the initial thing that brought us to the table. And God reveals that there's one more weight that's weighing you down. And what's weighing you down might not look like what's weighing them down. What's weighing her down might not look like what's weighing her down. But everybody brought a weight into this room. And this weight may be connected to somebody in that picture. It may be connected to somebody or something with this wallet or a door or a plan or a person. But everybody brought a weight. And it is not the will of God for you to leave this room with this weight in your world. Prayer is a dialogue where you trust God and take action by talking about it. It's out of my hands. It's beyond my control. I'm not gonna spend the rest of my week or my life worrying about this thing. It's bigger than me, it's beyond me. And I'm going to trust God with it. In fact, I'm just gonna give God everything. Because the reality is, God doesn't just want my stuff. He doesn't just want my trouble. He doesn't just want my things. He wants me. He wants me on the table. And when you bring it all, everybody say all. When you bring it all to the table, here's what's funny. You're so used to trying to control everything and being consumed by everything you control, you don't know what to do with your hands when you get rid of it. What am I going to do with these hands when I'm so busy trying to control my life? But if I could just lose control and give it all to God and bring it all to the table, maybe I could clap these hands. Maybe I could raise these hands. Maybe I could magnify God with these hands. Maybe I could do something with my life with these hands. Maybe I can have joy with these hands.